This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Catherine Clematis is a wonder. Despite being born with a disease known as osteogenesis imperfecta, which means bones that were formed imperfectly and results in them breaking very, very easily. And despite being confined to living life prone for the most part, she has created an amazing life and it's very, very inspiring. One of her talents is as an artist and she paints beautiful pet portraits among other things. She's going to tell us more about all of this and you'll get to see some of her work on the show page on Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio um, and I'm excited for you to do that and we have something special for Bark and Swagger listeners so stick around because I'm going to tell you about that at the end of the show. Catherine is also the daughter of Bets. And that's actually how I found her. There is a lot to unpack, so I don't want to waste any more time. We're going to take a short break from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Jody Miller-Young of Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. Stay tuned to grab that favorite beverage. We'll be right back. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio, and I am Jody Miller Young. Our guest today is a very inspiring woman. Her name is Catherine Clematis, and she has a list of talents that she has added to her resume, and all of this despite a disease that causes her to break bones very, very easily and has created a challenging childhood and adulthood that she has overcome. So we're going to welcome her and we've got a lot to unpack. I'm excited to have her here. Catherine, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. It is my pleasure. My pleasure. So I explained that you have a disease known as osteogenesis imperfecta. Tell our listeners really what that is and what that's caused in your life from when you were little. Sure. So osteogenesis imperfecta is also known as brittle bone disease. Uh, the, uh, people also call it OI for short because osteogenesis imperfecta is a mouthful. Um, <laughs> it basically means, like you said, my bones break easily and they grow abnormally. So I am actually only two foot seven. 
Um, I use an electric wheelchair for mobility. I usually have an aide with me 24-7 or somebody with me 24-7. I had broken 500 bones by the time I was 10. What? Kind of stopped counting at that point. Yep. Oh, my God. Yeah, so it's a lot of bones. And unfortunately, my nerve endings still work just fine. So oh, it, does, it does hurt when you break a bone. For any of you that have broken a bone, you know this. Oh, yeah. uh, it, does, it does still hurt. And then, and there's more to it than that. There's also, um, I have very severe scoliosis in my back, meaning that my spine is not straight. So that causes a lot of chronic pain. And there's some other organ, because OI is a collagen deficiency, which means and collagen is the material that makes up your bones and your skin and your muscles and your organ lining. And so when you have a problem with your collagen, it's kind of an across the board problem. Yes. Uh, so so there are some other issues, but the, but the main one is the bone breaking problem. I want to jump to this because then I want to sort of let our listeners know what was so instrumental in you creating such a wonderful life for yourself. And then we can talk about what that wonderful life entails. Mm-hmm. Your mom is a homeopathic vet. Yes, she is. And her name is Dr. Adriana Segrera. And she was instrumental in making sure that you were an independent person. And tell us a little bit about what that looked like, because not every parent would address having a child, giving birth to a child, and unexpectedly being faced with this situation and how she rose to that occasion. Tell us more about that. Yes. So my parents found out that I was going to have this disease two weeks before I was born. So they had no idea until, I guess, the ultrasound they did. And it was, I mean, I'm sure quite a shock, you know, and and quite difficult. But my mother, my mother is, if you know my mother, she is a very realistic and direct person. <laughs> she will she will tell you like it is every time. And very rarely does she give slack to anyone. <laughs> and in that way, she's much like her own mother. And so, and she's had some major injuries in her past. And her mother was just as strict with her as she is with me. And so basically, uh, she never let me feel sorry for myself. I mean, throughout my entire childhood, I was never entitled. Um, in fact, it, she did such a good job that <laughs> on days when I had multiple broken bones and should not go to school, I begged to go to school. Like I wanted to go to school. <laughs> and she's like, no, no, you get can't, me out of you here. Can't go. You can't go with three different broken bones. It's not going to work. And then, of course I did. It's- we don't want people to think that she was an abusive parent no, because she no, loves you, so, loves yes, you so much. But Of course. And, and you know, the thing is, if I had not gone to school with broken bones, I would have never gone to school. I mean, it just that's just the way my life was. You know, I often had something bandaged or wrapped or, you know, had to be moved a certain way or whatever. But I had to learn to function with that. That's just it's just the way it is. Yes. Um, otherwise, I would have never done anything. Yeah. So the other thing that my parents did was they put me in mainstream schools, which is really important um, because I don't have any mental disabilities. So a school for special ed was not a good place for me. Um, I was very smart and I love school. And I, you know, I, 
I didn't have to learn how to walk or crawl or any yeah. of those physical things that babies learn first. Yeah. So I learned to talk. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> how old were you? <laughs> uh, I told my dad one day at like just under a year old that we were driving and a brainstorm had just passed. And I, I pointed at the sky and I said, Dad, the storm is going away and the clouds are dissipating. And did you actually use that D I word did. dissipating? I did. I did. Oh and my god! Because he was like, "What?" <laughs> Mom had been trying to keep me busy that week, and she was teaching me about clouds, you know. And so that was just something that I had learned that week, so I re repeated it. Yeah, like any kid, right? So, yeah. so special ed schools were not a place for me. Um, so I was always in a mainstream school, which of course made it a little challenging because. I couldn't do all the things my friends could do all the time. You know, I couldn't go play sports and go to PE. And um, there were many birthday parties I couldn't attend because they were, you know, not accessible or whatever. But, you know, we got through it. There were, there were field trips I couldn't do. So my mom came up with a different one that taught me the same thing, but in a different way. And usually the school would let me bring one or two friends with me on that field trip instead. Amazing. So, you know, I mean, it, it worked. Yeah. 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 Your mom said to me that she wanted you to be able to be an independent person when she wasn't around, you know, and I don't mean that she's gone from this earth, but when you were, grew up and uh, she didn't want you to have to be confined right. in your world. And I mean, certainly to an extent I am. And that's just the yes, way. but oh. you have developed your mind incredibly. You've developed your talents incredibly. And I want to talk about that because art from a very early age became a passion for you and a tremendous outlet for you. Yes. Tell everyone how that started. When I was young, as I said, I was bored a lot um, and I was really smart. And my parents were constantly trying to find things that to occupy me because, yeah. you know, I was driving them nuts. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, you think of a, a regular kid who, who is running around touching everything. Well, I would say, move me here to give me that, show me that, you know, and yeah. I need somebody to do that with. So yeah. um, I was driving them insane. So my mom gave me my first watercolor set when I was five and it was, you know, a cheap cake watercolor set that you would get a five-year-old yeah. and i blew through that set in a week and all the computer paper in the house and she realized that i really liked doing art uh, and as i continued to do it it turned out that i was actually pretty good at it as well i mean certainly i was still young i was still five six seven you know but for a five six seven year old i was decent at it so she and my dad got me enrolled, of course, art in school. But then also I had private lessons with a variety of teachers. I had uh, summer camps, like every art summer camp within a 20 mile radius. And it was great. And she would even do clay and sculpture with me sometimes. And it was a lot of fun. But when I was about, I would say, eight, nine, ten. I would go to work with my, my parents. Yeah, I was going to say this early on, relatively yeah. early on, developed into a pet thing, too. It did. It did. So I would go to work. Uh, let me preface this, too, with I have never not had a pet. Okay. 
I have never not had multiple pets in my house. Yes. I'm the daughter of two veterinarians. Yes. It, it doesn't happen, right? I currently have five dogs who hopefully will be quiet for the. For the <laughs> I've got three, so don't worry about it. Mark has. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, so I would go to work with my parents, especially on the weekends when I wasn't in school. And being bored, I would bring my paints and sit in the waiting room and paint the client's animals just because yeah. it was something to do. Yes. And before long, the clients were actually asking me to paint their animals or they give me pictures of their animals. And then they started paying me to paint their animals. And as, you know, a, a 10 year old and a preteen, when you're making money and you're pretty darn up, cool. Yeah. I mean, that's yes. pretty awesome. Now, the catch 22 with that was my mom said, Oh, you're making money. Then you can buy all the things you want. <laughs> it's not your birthday or Christmas or, you know, some other special occasion. God bless mom. It is. It is. But, you know, it's really good because it taught me how to manage money when I was a kid, you know, and so today running my own business, that's a really great life lesson to have learned. Yes, absolutely. So you, you did these pet portraits and, and you actually have one or two with you. Plus you'll be able to see more on the Bark and Swagger page of the Pet Life Radio site. This is Lexi. Um, this, these are both my dogs. Um, but this is Lexi, she's a Sheltie. Yeah. This is Paisley. She is a Pomeranian Papillon mix. It's really good. A mess. When you see them on the Bark and Swagger page, you're going to notice that Catherine captures the soul in these animals, the eyes, the expressions. And I've asked you about that, Catherine. Like, what's your process when you take on a you know commission to do somebody's animal? So usually the process of Somebody asked me to do a pet portrait. I get pictures from them. Um, I, you know, I prefer to get two to four pictures. Sometimes if the animal has passed away, I can only get one. It just, you know, it just depends on what they have. And then, you know, I, I usually ask them to ask, to tell me a little bit about the pet. But a lot of times I don't even have to ask because that comes with the request. <laughs> yes, <laughs> everybody course. wants to talk about their pets, right? And, um, and so, you know, I learned a little bit about them. Of course, I never meet them nine times out of 10. But it's kind of like when you look at a picture of a person, you know, you can tell a little bit of their personality and you can tell, you know, kind of whether or not they look like a nice person or not a nice person. And, and I think it's the same. I think it's the same with animals. You know, you, you can tell enough, right? And so, I do all of my paintings with the pretense that I love all dogs. So I think they're all nice. <laughs> so yeah, so I get pictures and then we do a little bit of paperwork and I paint their animal and then either get it to them or ship it to them. Um, and yeah, that's pretty. And I work only in watercolors. Um, I've done, as I said, my parents got me into a lot of different media as a child but this is just what I've always gone back to. Watercolor is just, it's just what I like. And I like working with other media just for fun, but not as a profession. This is my wheelhouse. So, yeah. I mean, you're a graphic artist. We're going to get to all that. But you also have a passion about painting wild animals. I do. Uh, I, about I, that. Love, I love all animals. I love painting all animals. One of my favorite things to do is to go to the zoo and just watch animals just because 
I mean, I think it's just fun and it's interesting and it's mm. interesting to see their behavior and how they act. And again, you learn about their personalities. So I, I kind of, from a business standpoint, my business is kind of cut into two areas as far as painting. So there's pet portraits, which is much more like a job because it has to be exactly like the picture, right? It has to look like that person's pet. But when I paint wild animals, I get to have a little more artistic license and kind of do what I want, change the background, change, you know, if, if I paint an egret and I put the feather in the wrong place, as long as it looks good, nobody cares. Yeah. And nobody knows, you know? So um, it's a little more relaxing, but I also think that those paintings and put them on products and sell products through my website. Yeah. And you have an Etsy store too, but we'll I talk do. about that later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now you told me one of your like all time passions is live music. Don't tell the story. We're going to do that after our short break. But how did you get into live music and when did it start? What are some of your faves? <laughs> well, my parents always listen to music. So my dad played guitar. Never oh, wow. in a band or anything, but just just for fun. Yeah. Uh, and he wrote songs. Uh, he wrote a lot of parodies. We'd throw this Christmas party every year, and he would do a show every year. And it was a lot of fun. But, you know, I grew up listening to Elton John and Rod Stewart and uh, Fleetwood Mac and, you know, that that era. Um, yeah. My dad also really liked country music. I had several aides when I was young that liked country music. So that has kind of always been my favorite. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm a country person. I don't know. I, I've always connected with it well. Are some of my favorites? Right now, I'd have to say I love Little Big Town. They just put out a new album. Uh, they're great. I love Sugarland. I love Luke Bryan. But, you know, I also still love Rod Stewart and Elton John and Fleetwood Mac. And uh, Yeah, that know, was sort of your bread and butter well. growing up, too. Yeah. And, you know, also, I live in New Orleans. So, yes, <laughs> you know, the music scene is incredible. Absolutely. Here. You know, we get great music just on the street. Yes, so, yeah, you do. You great. do. And I went to my first concert when I was 10. So how do you manage a show? Like, i.e. the crowds and everything else. How do you manage that? I go with people I trust. That's, that's the biggest thing. I like to be in the crowd because when you go to a concert, it's an experience, right? Yes. So if you're sitting in the back and you're not, you're not interacting with the crowd or the performer. It's not nearly as fun. So I like to be in the crowd as close to the stage as possible. But I go, I have one friend that I travel with a lot. Uh, we actually met, we met stalking Sugarland at a concert. But anyway. <laughs> we'll have to hear more about that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we became lifelong friends that day. And uh, we, traveled, we traveled to Colorado. We traveled to uh, Wisconsin. I mean, we traveled all over following our favorite bands. And, wow. Uh, but she can handle the crowd. You know, I know she is aware. I have an aunt that's extremely aware, um, has taken me many times, um, and then a few other select friends. But, yeah, I, there's there's certain people I go with that I, I trust. Can yeah, can yeah. It's just such amazing for me, and I'm sure people listening to – to hear this because usually what you'll hear is someone that has a disability or a handicap 
right? Their dream might be to go to a concert, right? So they'll get to go to maybe one concert in their life or maybe two concerts if they're fortunate. But you, like so many of us growing up, you know, you like for a groupie for the bands you love, following them, seeing them play in all sorts of cities around the country. And that to me is just such a beautiful, beautiful thing that you were able because of your spirit, your smarts, the parents you had and the people that you had around you that you trusted to have these experiences that normal kids have. And I just love that. I love that. It just, you know, it just swells my heart. We are going to take a short break, but don't go away because when we come back, Catherine has a very cool Rod Stewart story. And then there's that Sugarland story. (laughs) I'm not going to let you get off the hook on that one. So, (laughs) So grab your favorite, refresh your favorite beverage. Get cozy and we'll be right back. For those fortunate to have experienced the deep bond and unconditional love of a companion animal, the death that follows can be one of the most difficult and misunderstood losses to go through. Many times, this devastating loss goes unrecognized and trivialized by family and friends, leaving grieving pet parents struggling to find healthy ways to cope with the loss. In And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal for healing the loss of a pet, Dr. Julianne Corbin calls attention to the difficulties unique to the loss of a beloved pet and provides an interactive and compassionate guide to help you process your loss and work towards coming to a place of peace and healing. For those interested in journal therapy and looking for a professionally written and compassionate resource to help understand and reconcile the grief associated with the loss of your pet, this book is for you. And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal by Julianne Corbin is now available for purchase on Amazon and other major book retailers. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. I'm Jody Miller Young, and we're here today with Catherine Clematis, who is an amazing woman, an artist, a graphic artist, a live music fanatic, and a really cool person. So, Catherine, you've got a really cool Rod Stewart story. I do. Tell us about this. I do. Uh- so, actually, let me tell the Sugarland one first. Okay. It kind of sets up. Okay, so, oh, goodness. This was in 2009, so 13 years ago. Yeah. Um, my aunt, who I mentioned, takes me to concerts sometimes. My aunt took me to Jazz Fest to see Sugarland. Jazz Fest is a, a jazz, it, well, it's not a jazz festival. It's a huge festival. Yeah. Jazz, but it is a huge festival in New Orleans every year that spans two weekends and we have entertainers both locally and then internationally. Um, Big uh, international. Then, yes, huge, huge. Yes. And so um, Sugarland was there one year and I begged my aunt to take me because I loved them. And she did. And then after their set, there's 
the way the festival set up, the buses park where people can get to them. And so we went around back of the stage and kind of sat outside the buses with a group of people and uh, <laughs> and stalked the band, basically. They let you go back there? Oh, yeah. Well, the way it's done, I mean, there's a barricade, but you, I mean, you know, you can see the bus and they can see you and, you know. Got you. Yeah. But uh, we did not end up meeting them that day. However, if they ever listen to this interview, they will say, oh, we know who she is. Uh, <laughs> because we, we have met them many, many, many times since. So my friend and I met that day. She's from Alabama. She's a little bit older than I am, but uh, was a nurse, now works in um, uh, housing, reality. And so we both work for ourselves, which is great because when we do travel, we're able to make our schedules work. And so fast forward, we've been traveling together since 2009 now. And about four years ago, Rod Stewart was at Jazz Fest. And she and I always go to Jazz Fest together at least one weekend because it's our, our anniversary, right? So, and so that was the weekend we decided to go. And we did the whole camp out early, get a good spot, you know, front row. It was 130 degrees outside. I mean, I had oh my the second sunburn of my life that day. It was super hot. But he finally came on at 4 o'clock and he kept, like, just connecting with us. Like, he would sing to us and I didn't know as many lyrics as I wish I had at that time, but um, I know them now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but anyway, at the end of the show, he pointed at me and her and said, do you want to come backstage? And we were like, okay. So the security guard takes us around back and it turns out that he was having a, a goodbye party for one of his backup singers. Uh, she was moving on to Broadway or something. So that was her last show with the band. So there was cake. He's like, would you like White wine, red wine, or tequila. I mean, you know, like, very nice. <laughs> you know, we got the cake. It was great. We met his, some of his family, met his band. And then my friend, Christy, who, thank God, she had the wherewithal to do this, but she pulls out one of my business cards and said, hey, Catherine's a graphic designer, and she loves to design for the music industry, which is true. I, do, yeah. I work for a lot of local musicians here. And, um, you know, haha, if you ever need somebody... Caller, <laughs> um, <laughs> Sir Rod Stewart. And he goes, well, actually, I have an album coming out in a few months, and I need some album art for it. Do you want to have a go at it? And I was like, <laughs> Imagine okay. that. Oh, my God. Yeah, so at this point, it's getting dark. We need to go home. You know, all that stuff. And um, I'm sure he wanted to go relax at that point. But um, he says, you know, my manager will get with you on Tuesday, and she'll give you all the specs. And at that point, I'm thinking, this has never happened. I mean, this is like, th there's no way, right? Yeah. Well, it did. It did happen. And I worked for him through his manager for about three months. We went back and forth on um, different design ideas, different design directions. And at the end of the three months, it came down to two designs, mine and somebody else's. And he did go with somebody else's. But... But that's pretty amazing. And it was the other, the design he went with is the polar opposite of mine. Like it's a completely Yeah, so they different. just, they yeah. picked a different direction. He just yeah. picked a different direction. And yeah. and it's something he's never really, like the look of this album is something he's never done before. But anyway. Which album is it? Blood Red Roses. Blood Red out, Roses. Okay. It came out uh, four, I guess four years ago. 
But yeah. anyway, he paid me, which was incredibly kind. You know, yes. for my time, of course, and as he, he should. Gave, and well, he gave us tickets to his one of his next shows. We got to go backstage and talk to him again. And since then, he's comped us several tickets. And um, wow. I actually just painted his dogs this year. You can see that on my Instagram. So you're uh, you're BFFs now. I know. <laughs> it was it was incredible. I mean. And, you know, you meet these people and you hope they're kind, you know, and you hope they're everything you want them to be. And he is the perfect example of that. I mean, he um, is such a nice, like the other, the last time in May, we went and saw him and we went backstage and talked to him after the show. And he just sat down and talked to us for 30 minutes about his life, about his dad, about his music. And it was such a real conversation yeah. with this man who is like, He's knighted. I mean, yeah. you know, it's cool. yeah. it was incredible. And he's an incredible person. I That's would recommend amazing. Him concert if that is seen. amazing. Well, we're going to go a different direction now, too, because we're going to go back to pets and dogs specifically. You and a neighbor of yours created a really fun project about breed-specific dogs. Yes. Read all about us. This yes, tell book. us about that. This is our book, Read All About Us. Um, and it features 64 different dog breeds in it. Okay. Um, some, some common, some not so common. And so, as I said, I put my paintings on products to sell to make money. And, and, and because it's nice to be able to bring art into your home a different way. Absolutely. Right, than having to buy an original. Absolutely. Things, things that people can actually use every right. day. And, and it's often more affordable to buy, yes. you know, a trivet rather than an original piece of art. Right. Yes. And so I would do these fairs and festivals and people would say, well, do you have a pillow with a pug on it? Or do you have a blanket with a lab on it? And I'm like, no, because I paint people's dogs. I don't just paint random dogs. And so I said to myself, okay, this is getting ridiculous. I'm going to have to paint the most common, the most common breeds I get asked for. And I'll put so them. So you're on ready. <laughs> right, so I'm ready. And so I said, okay, I'm going to just do these four by six paintings. You know, they're not big. They're, you know, I can scan them and blow them up if I need to. They're relatively fast, you know, because they're so small. And um, I'm just going to do it. Well, the plan was to do like eight or ten. It turned into 64 and it was hard to look at it. <laughs> You're just an overachiever, Catherine. I know. I just let's I, face it. People call me that in school too. Um, <laughs> but uh, but as I was doing it, I had a friend come over who um, was actually my jewelry teacher when I was growing up. It became a a really very close friend, and she happened to come over in the middle of the project. I mean, I think I had like maybe thirty of them done, and she's like, you know, you should turn this into a book. I said, yeah, but I don't want to write a book. I've already written a book. It's a lot oh, of work. We're going to talk about that too. <laughs> it's a lot of work and I don't feel like writing a book. And so she's like, well, you know, you could collaborate with somebody. Well, it turned out the timing just worked out that my neighbor was taking a leave of absence from her, her regular nine to five job. And she loves to write and she's a great writer. And Perfect. she's like, well, I'd like to submit for, for, you know, to write this book. Because I was also talking to somebody else that I did not know at the same time. And I said, okay, y'all both submit excerpts and let's just see what works. And hers was great because 
it was from the dog's point of view. It was very personal. Um, in the book, we we do put factual information, but we also, in well, we Yvonne, the lady I made the book with, she interviewed people who had these dog breeds, and so she would get quips and stories from them that make the book much more personal. So, like for example, the Saint Bernard, she talks about it eating the couch. You know, I mean, th things like that. You know, and. Yes. Uh, it's a great little coffee table book. It's great for kids love it because they try to find their dog or, you know. Yeah, and they get to they learn want. about breeds, maybe about their own or exactly their dog lovers. Yeah, so kids, it's great for kids, um, great for adults, great for dog lovers. So, yes, that is available. And when you order through my website, Yvonne and I both sign them. So Very nice. Very, very nice. Now, you wrote another book. And yes. this is your story. So this is my story called Looking Up. And it began as my college senior thesis. Oh, wow. Yeah. So in at Loyola, I went to Loyola University in New Orleans. For your final project, basically, as yeah. a senior, you do one project that spans a whole semester. And at the end of the semester, your class has to put on a show. So you're responsible for... The invitations and the media and the promotions and the food and you're oh wow yeah you're responsible for everything and how the show gets hung like as a class you have to go into the gallery space and hang the show and i mean it's a whole you know it's it's a big deal and what happens is the first night they call it the soft opening but they have the industry the local industry come mm -hmm. so it's it's you know it helps you look for job connections and things like that and then mm -hmm. it's open to the public after that but we were given the task to do a project only we could do that was the only that was it like that's the only guidance we got and so mm -hmm. we had to present three ideas to our professors they helped us narrow it down and this was um this is what ended up happening and then i had a local publisher afterwards pick it up and publish it after i graduated wonderful and this is your story yeah. about being born with and growing up with this disease yeah and it's got a lot of photography in it and um it's like 90 pages also a co coffee table book you know it's it's quick but it's good you also have a sense of humor in your writing yeah. you know you do and um so it shifts it from being a oh my god oh my god oh no to a really a real human story you know and you can kind of see you through the pages so well thank you yeah i mean you know there's there's some of that oh my god oh my god oh no in there for sure but i mean there are some really funny things that have happened to me because i have oi and i mean they're they're pretty funny they're ridiculous is they're there one funny. ridiculous funny you can think of that you would want to share oh goodness no pressure. It's off the cuff. The one off the top of my head is alcohol related. Is that okay? Does that matter? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think adults are listening to the okay. show. <laughs> um, so my my friend that I travel with, Christy, and I were at a concert, Styx, actually. Okay. And it was at a casino. So the concert ended at 10, 1030. And we went to a very nice restaurant within the casino afterwards for dinner because we were starving. Mm. And um, we get to the table, you know, and we're we're dressed for a concert, you know, like I'm wearing a strapless shirt with a full makeup, you know, like we're dressed for a concert. And so 
we sit down, the server comes up to the table, and she looks at me and goes, and can I get you a Shirley Temple with dinner? And I said, only if you add vodka to it. (laughs) (laughs) And and the woman, I mean, she just about fell over. We actually got three drinks that night. She felt so bad. But um, she's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Let me bring you a drink menu. You know, I'm like, yeah, please. <laughs> that probably happens more than that once. Oh, it does. I mean, but I then get, as soon as you open your mouth, they know. Right. I mean, I get brought children's menus all the time and things yeah. like that. I mean, that, yeah. you know, that happens all Goes the time. Goes with the territory. Yeah. So I want to tell listeners about a wonderful offer that Catherine has made to you for us. And that is when you shop for one of her pieces, not your own pet's portrait. That's separate because that is, you know, yes, it's a custom situation. But her other products and art on products, she is giving us 10% off through the holidays. So they make beautiful gifts. She's got great, great stuff. There will be a link underneath this video on the Pet Life Radio YouTube channel. So you'll be able to go to Pet Life Radio on YouTube and just scroll under the video and you'll see a link to her Etsy store and a coupon code. It's Spark Swag. Spark Swag, right? That's what we did, right? Yep. Bark swag. Yeah. And you put bark swag in and you'll get 10% off of anything in her shop. And if you want to commission her for a pet portrait, uh, there'll be information there where you can reach out to her. And the last thing that I want to talk about, which is your day job, which you love, is as a graphic artist, graphic designer, just tell everyone, because you never know who's listening out there. What outside of album projects for Rod Stewart, what kinds of projects do you do and that people might want to consider you for? Because And and then we'll talk about where people can reach you so they can see some of your work. Sure, absolutely. So I do um, a lot of work for small businesses. So yep. any kind of branding, um, logo design or anything uh, branding. So business cards, uh, letterhead, you know, whatever that entails. Uh, any kind of goes. yeah, any kind of promotional, uh, whether it's print or online. I do social media management. So um, okay, right now I'm working with a couple of nonprofits locally, and I'm managing all of their social media and all of their email correspondence. And so that's that's been busy. Yeah. So yeah, so I do a lot of that. The only thing I don't do is code for web, but I have somebody I work with who does. So okay. I still do web design and he is a miracle. Oh so, yeah, it's included in your repertoire yeah, because you exactly. have someone that you work with. Exactly. Yes. So so we we work on that as a team. But yeah, it's pretty much whatever I do personal invitations, I do, you know, basically whatever. So all have. visual branding marketing stuff. That's amazing. That's amazing. So tell people where they can find you. So the easiest way to find me is on my website, which is K A K Art Nola N O L A. Dot com. Um, you can also go to CatherineFlamitis.com and I'll send you the same place. Um, and I'm on Etsy. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. And actually on Instagram, I do a lot of video of me painting. So if you're in seeing me painting, I do a lot of that on Instagram. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. So yeah. Perfect. And that's Catherine with a K. 
Mm-hmm. And Clematis is K L I M like Mary, I T like Tom, A S like Sam. That's correct. So thank you so much, Catherine. It has been an absolute pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. Thanks to our producer, Mark Winter. Mark, you make us sound so good, and we love you for that. My passion is living stylishly, animal rescue, and health. So tune in next time to discover the designers, home decor, rescue stories, and health experts with great stories to share and important info to share. So until next time, when fierce fashion calls, bark and swagger. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.